Temperatures dropping in Salford. How are you doing? It's Tuesday. It's the 6th of December 2022. It is freezing. I'm Richie Allen. I'm your host. I'm going to be with you for two hours between now and seven. It's your call. I'll be taking your calls on the program today. So call me. Call the living. Be Jesus out of me, if you don't mind. It's the BBG, not the BBC. This is your Richie Allen Show, live from the magnificent city of Salford. Yeah, the living bejesus, right? It's the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Yeah, the contact details for the programme are on Comment Live on the website, richieallen.co.uk. Comment Live pinned to the top of the comments, the contact details. You'll find them on Facebook as well, the Richie Allen Show Facebook page. It isn't really the Facebook page for the show, but anyway, you, you, you understand. If you would prefer not to speak to me live, and I don't know why you wouldn't, you can leave a comment there. Comment Live on richieallen.co.uk. I am really looking forward to speaking with you this evening, Tuesday. And I was looking, I was kind of beavering away for the programme. And while I was doing that, I was watching the second half of Morocco versus Spain in the World Cup last 16 encounter, which I think might just be going into extra time. It was nil-nil at full time, if that's something you're interested in. Yeah, I'm getting a little bit more interested in it as we approach, you know, the business end of it, as we get to the last eight. Anyway, I won't bore you with it because it might not be your thing. Rail strikes might be your thing. Nurse strikes, ambulance strikes, Royal Mail strikes, and there are many more strikes. There are many more going on in other sectors. You know, if you put a quid or a pound or a dollar or a euro in a jar every time you hear someone say winter of discontent, you'll run out of dosh fairly lively, won't you? Hey, listen, I better do the old um, phone-in jingle thing just in case you can't get to the meme. I will be taking your calls around about 25 minutes from now. These are the details you need should you wish to contact me. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44 161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. Right, those are the details. As I said, if you want to see them with your own eyes, go to richieallen.co.uk and comment live. So Indonesia's parliament then has approved a new criminal law, a new criminal code that will ban anybody in the country from having extramarital sex and it'll restrict political freedoms as well. We came very close to that in Ireland when the Catholic Church was in charge in Ireland. In charge. It wasn't in charge in name, but in reality it was in charge. Extramarital sex. Sex outside of making babies was frowned upon by the Catholic Church. Did you know that? Catholic men and women, even if they were married in Ireland, were forbidden, not really forbidden, but it was strongly disapproved, disapproved of. It was not the done thing to have sex unless you were making babies. Hmm. And uh, affairs, well. But yeah, in Indonesia, sex outside of marriage will carry a jail term of up to a year under new laws, which will take effect in three years. What's that all about? 
uh, there's been a rise in religious conservatism in the Muslim-majority country. Critics say it's a disaster for human rights and a potential blow to tourism and to investment. Young people have been protesting outside the parliament in Jakarta this week. The new laws will be challenged in court. It might go away that you never know. But totalitarianism reigns around the world, doesn't it? And I'm noticing that my cans are rubbing up against the big hefty hooded top I'm wearing. So when I take a piece of music, I will take off my big hefty hooded top and I will wear a t-shirt for the duration of the broadcast, even though it is freezing. It's not really freezing in the studio because of all the equipment here, but it's cold enough out there. It's going to freeze tonight as well. It's getting colder by the minute here in Salford. So yeah, sex outside of marriage, punishable by prison. Um, Throwing eggs at King Charles II, or is he King Charles III? I can't remember. Help me out is becoming ever more common. Another egg was thrown at him as he walked about in Luton Town Centre today. A man in his 20s was detained and is being charged on suspicion of common assault. Arrested on suspicion of common assault. They chucked an egg at him. They steered the king away from the crowds to another section of the public where they were behind the barrier and they gave him presents and stuff and all was well in the end. You might remember somebody chucked an egg at the man when he visited York not long after the death of his mother. That's right. A premature ejaculation is in... This is random stuff, this. By the way, you can talk to me about anything when you phone me up. Let's keep it to all matters. Great reset and winter of discontent, please, if you don't mind. And if you've never phoned me, please consider it. We love hearing new voices. Okay? Okay. Premature ejaculation is in the news. This is not a setup to a gag. It really is. It's a common problem that many men face and can be embarrassing. It never bothered me, really. Uh, there are many foods, that's why it's in the news, that have been shown to help cure premature ejaculation. So this is a story for the men listening. If you do suffer with that, eat some figs, eat some bananas, oats and ginger. And it apparently is very good with the old premature ejaculation problem like. But a company called Promescent in the United States has come up with a spray that you can spray on your appendage. This is a family show, so that, that's as far as I'm going. Uh, the spray is called Delay Spray. It's a numbing solution. You spray it or spritz it a couple of times on the appendage. It takes effect. It's absorbed into the nerve cells of the member and just below the skin and it restricts the flow of ions through nerve cells and it helps you to hang on a little bit longer. Gentlemen, it's a waste of money. When you're getting too excited, lads, and you think it's going to happen again, just picture Nicholas Sturgeon in bed with Matt Hancock and that'll be the end of that. Save you a few quid. Might take you a while to get going again, though, if you know what I mean. A lot of talk about the Duke and Duchess of Sussex's new Netflix docu-series, which drops, don't you love that term, drops on Thursday. This is a documentary where Prince Harry and Meghan Markle are going to talk about being sidelined by the royal family and all the racism they had to put up with. So this is getting a, an enormous amount of coverage. There's no hiding place from it, really. Um, th they're getting hammered 
not so much the, the Megan and the Harry guy, they're getting hammered, the producers, because they are using images which were taken at events that had nothing to do with the ginger Muppet and his actress wife. That's the thing, really. That's sloppy shite, that, isn't it? Really? I mean, if you're going to go out to the public with a big documentary and you know that you're going to be hammered from pillar to post for it because you're a pair of woke babies, the least you would do, I would imagine anyway, is make sure that everything that you put in there, all of the images and all of the clips, you would ensure, wouldn't you? You would go over it with a fine-tooth comb, with an electron microscope, to make sure that they couldn't go after you on the very basics. But obviously, Ginger Tosser and his actress wife didn't do that. Due diligence. So images are in this thing of people being swarmed and it's not even them. That's rubbish, that. As a producer of content myself, televisual, televisual and audio, I, I, that's rubbish. Absolute garbage. Even Lorraine Kelly is having a go at it, calling it bizarre. Lorraine Kelly. That's Lorraine Kelly from Lorraine on, on ITV. To more serious news, 5 million patients couldn't get an appointment with the GP in October. Uh, that's 5 million and one. 5 million and one unless I was counted in the statistics because I couldn't get to see a GP in October and I was dying. You might remember I was absolutely dying, like really dying. I wasn't dying, but I was very ill and my GP just wouldn't see me. I can't see you. I'll do a Zoom if you like. No, no, I want to see you. I'm only living, basically living across the road from you. Please see me. No, we can't see you, no. Uh, Zoom, we're, we're, we're too busy. They're not busy. Because I, I popped around after they said they wouldn't see me and there was nobody in the waiting room. And when I say nobody, I mean nobody. Not the Irish exaggeration thing where we say nobody when there was three people. There was nobody. And I thought, you backsters. So I ended up paying £69 to talk to a very nice doctor from London. A young Asian lady who was very good, was on the phone with me for a half an hour on the, on the Zoom or the Skype or whatever. So five million people couldn't get to see a doctor. Just couldn't. Doctor couldn't see them. Two million more had to wait more than a month to see their doctor. And this is the highest number since records began. This is shocking. 4.3 million waited for more than two weeks, for more than a fortnight. You have to be dead to see a doctor where I live in Salford. You have to be dead. It's the only time they come out. This man is dead, I'm afraid. Ah, thanks, doctor. Thanks for taking the time to come round. You have to be dead. It's the only way to get to see a doctor. It's amazing, isn't it? And I've written about this on the website. I know two people, one very close to me, whose other half, whose wife, whose husband, would still be alive if it wasn't for this. Denied access to exploratory treatments and, and tests that might have determined that they had cancer and might have meant that they might have survived a bit longer. In fact, not might, would definitely have. This is, this is beyond the pale, isn't it, to put it, to put it mildly. And before I take a musical break and take off this bloody annoying sweatshirt I'm wearing, which is really peeving me off, Elon Musk and Neuralink. You know Neuralink? It's lovely and fluffy and benign. At least the public face of it is. You're supposed to believe this is a wonderful thing. It's developing brain implants, Neuralink, to help people walk again. 
paralyse people and to cure other neurological ailments. Now, I can't say there's anything wrong with that. They always present these transhumanist technologies in a very, you know, in a way that it's almost impossible to criticise it. Because if you know somebody, I mean, if Christopher Reeve was still alive, God love him, the actor, famous for Superman, of course, and many other uh, film film and, and television things, it might help somebody like Christopher Reeve, who was injured, I think, when he was out horse riding. Uh, God love him. So you can't knock that. Oh, it's, yeah, 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 yeah. And people who were born blind and yeah. But it's the other stuff that we talk about, you know, that they will ultimately use brain implants for. Um, but apparently 1,500 animals at least, you're talking sheep, pigs and monkeys, have been killed in botched experiments. This is according to Neuralink employees. Documents provided by 20 current and former employees. They are butchering monkeys, sheep and pigs and this has not gone down well with animal rights groups. It certainly hasn't gone down well with vegans. Um, yeah, Reuters, I think, were given the documents by the staff. That's Reuters News Agency. So they fail tests where they kill animals. They have to repeat those tests, knowing they'll probably kill the animal again, but try to find out, you know, at which stage we we ended up killing uh, the animal. Staff have said this is incredibly horrible and awful and stressful and traumatic. Well, spare a thought for the pigs, the sheep and the monkeys, like kind of a thing. That's Neuralink. I'm coming back with some of your comments from the website and uh, some more news that you might find interesting. Don't forget, I'm taking your telephone calls at 5.30. Here are the contact details. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. And the time is exactly 14 minutes past five. While I put on some appropriate garb, here are the Gypsy Kings. This is your Richie Allen Show, live from Salford. Yeah, we, we don't hear the castanets anymore, or we don't hear the castanets enough in popular music these days. That is, or they are, the Gypsy Kings and Bombaleo on your Richie Allen Show, broadcasting out of BBG Towers in Salford, the time 17 minutes past five. Wendy, 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 Richie, I wanted to tell you of my latest outrage. I spend a good portion of my day being outraged these days, says Wendy. My 12-year-old granddaughter has been getting shit at school. All the teachers backing one another up. She's tall and thin, hard to find trousers to fit her. The ones she had were a smidgen too short and she was told that she's a distraction to the whole school because of her sexually attractive ankles. I cannot think straight with the level of crap going around, says Wendy. Wendy, if I was a parent and a teacher described my 12-year-old as having sexually attractive ankles, I'd be having a word with the teacher and I ain't no tough guy, but I'd be asking the teacher to maybe explain why he or she found the ankles of a 12-year-old sexually attractive. That's a bit crazy. When I went to secondary school, St. Paul's in Waterford City, being a very tall, thin drink of water myself, um, they couldn't get trousers to fit me that lasted longer than a few weeks before I needed needed a new pair. 
And after my parents split up, we were absolutely broke. My mother said to the school, what do you want us to do? And to the absolute credit of the assistant principal at the school at the time, a gentleman called Ned Hartery, a lovely man. He said, look, this is the way it is. He can come into school wearing whatever he wants. He's a big giant. So for, for my last two years in high school, I came in usually wearing plaid shorts or denim shorts with jeans. And that was okay. They said, fair enough, you know. Common sense back then. Sexually attractive questions would have to be asked. Which teacher made that assertion and who backed him or her up? That is disturbing, Wendy. And I'm not somebody prone to hysteria. That is disturbing. Ask the question, who said it? And and demand the account for themselves. Rob asked, Richie, have you seen the bastards have just approved the fake vaccine for babies? This is in the States, isn't it? Six months. They're, they're going to offer the Pfizer jab to, to children aged six months old and over. And didn't that story come out of some scaremongering nonsense, which came out of the United States in November, in early November? Wasn't there some ridiculous report about COVID hospitalizations going up in babies in the States? And the CDC, the US Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, started to demand or, or, or started the conversation about vaccinating six-month-old babies is that where that comes from, Rob? I think that's where it comes from. But your tyranny reigns. Jean Anne tells me, and there isn't a more reliable arbiter of truth than my pal Jean Anne Crowley, that the current King Charles is King Charles the Third. That's T U R D, not T H I R D. Good morning to herself. Backbeat says the medics were the last man standing in terms of any group that could remotely be described as a profession. However, they abandoned their oath a long while ago and we're now paying the bill. No wonder the Bible frowns on the taking of oaths, says Backbeat. Thanks for that, pal. You can comment on the programme via my website. Comment live at richieallen.co.uk but I would prefer from about 15, no, from about 10 minutes time that you call me. Please, if you called in recently, refrain from doing it today. Uh, if you haven't um, in, in you know, ever, consider doing so. I look forward to hearing from you. And speaking of the sexualization of children, and, you know, I used to think one time, because I'm a fairly moderate sort of a bloke, I don't tend to get too carried away one one way or the other. But when people would phone in this particular show, say, years ago, this show is, what, eight and a half years old now, just over eight years old, people would phone in and they would go on about children being under attack and and the sexual exploitation of children. And I would never, you know, you know, I would never go after people. I might gently poke and prod and say, well, come on, it's not that bad. It's a free speech platform at the end of the day. But I would think that they were a bit hysterical and that they were being a bit sensational and that they were exaggerating. I don't believe they are anymore. These days, I don't believe it. These days, I think they're bang on the money. They saw this before I saw it. I mean, here's a classic example of it. The British Board of Film, or I should say the British Board for Film Classification, the BBFC, 
has done some pretty serious research into children being exposed to pornography. So they've looked into this and they have found the BBFC that sexually explicit cartoons of Scooby-Doo, of Frozen and The Simpsons, right, are being used to entice children as young as six years old onto pornography websites. So this is the official censor. You don't get to see a film if the BBFC doesn't want you to see the film. Although I can't imagine in recent years that they've been banning very much. That's something to find out just for a bit of entertainment. What, if anything, has the BBFC banned in recent years? But they're saying that this is children are being lured by sexually explicit versions of The Incredibles, Scooby-Doo, The Simpsons, Tangled, Frozen and whatnot. Who's doing this? And why aren't there 500 pounds worth of, I mean, wait, why, why is there 600 stone worth of police officers currently sitting on top of them as they are handcuffing them and dragging them to a police car? Who, who's doing this stuff? Children are attracted to these sites because of their use of such characters, says the BBFC. David Austin, who's the chief executive of the film censor, said these are characters beloved by children and children are being exposed to the characters in pornographic scenarios, on pornographic websites. Parents don't know it, he says. Educators don't know this. People responsible for caring for children do not know this, he said. It isn't very well researched. There's real value in bringing this research to the public. It's helpful to raise awareness of the issue, he said. Now, cynics will say, well, this is very interesting timing, as the online harms bill or the online safety bill as it has been renamed is going through the UK Parliament. A cynical mind might conclude that this is a convenient story to push for more censorship of the internet but I'm not so sure it is. They're going to censor the internet anyway. They're doing it. They have been doing it since day one and it's going to get worse. 25 minutes it is past the hour now. Your call in a few minutes time. Do come on and speak with me. I'm looking forward to hearing from you today. Let me have a look. Caroline Beatty says the UK has released today COVID jabs for babies six months and above now. So it's the UK as well. That's come out today, has it? I probably would have seen that late this afternoon, Caroline, if I hadn't got one eye or had one eye on the Spain-Morocco game, which is in extra time. And it's still nil-nil with eight minutes to go in the second half of extra time. We might have a penalty shootout. What a shock it would be if the Moroccans were to knock out the mighty Spain. What a shock indeed. And Rob just confirms that, yes, the MHRA has approved it for six-month-old children and older. Thanks for that, Rob. Uh, Patrick says, of course, the people responsible for the, satan for the satanic war against humanity that we are being subjected to will need to be judged properly. Not by the, the judiciary, he says, but some good people will need to get used to the fact that the current crimes against humanity are far more serious than most murders, for example. And the punishments deterrents need to be formulated accordingly, says Patrick. You're going down the rabbit hole of capital punishment, Patrick. Something I don't agree with and I never will. But I, I respect all opinions here. 
Chris says, Richie, just got the freebie Northumberland news through the door. Still full of COVID crap, says Chris. A lovely advert from the NHS. Double your defences. Get both vaccines. I've seen that particular ad myself on bus shelters in Manchester. Double your defences. Get your COVID and your flu jab. Go to a warm hub, but open your windows if you're feeling a bit chesty, says uh, Chris. Thanks, Chris, for that. Excellent stuff. Hi to Marco. Hi to Patrizia, who asks this. Is it possible that the energy companies are all in cahoots with the government by charging us an absolute unnecessary fortune and the money they make on fleecing us all is then divided up between them all to keep this farce going? A nice little earner, perhaps, asks Patrizia. I don't know the answer to that. I did see a rather interesting story either this morning or yesterday and that is that the UK has increased its own natural gas exports to Europe. That's a strange one, isn't it? UK natural gas exports to Europe. Let me see if I can bring it up here. Uh, Gas exports uh, Europe. I should get the story. It might have been in the Telegraph, in fact. Yes, British exports of natural gas to Europe hit six-year high. I did read that this morning. That is bizarre. At a time when you are terrorising the public with stories, horror stories about wars in Ukraine affecting the supply and pushing the prices up. What are you doing? Exporting more uh, natural gas to Europe. I think the story went on to say inevitably, well, the European Union doesn't want to rely on Russia's gas because Russia are, is a shower of bastards and Putin is a madman. So because of that, Britain is helping out by increasing its exports to Brussels. But again, it doesn't make any sense. Why would you not look after your own needs primarily? Eh? That's not a an unfair question to ask, is it? On your Richie Allen Show, 28 minutes past five. It's, uh, I'm looking forward to the phone calls, by the way. Isabel says, Richie, Wendy's post reminded me of the madness last summer where schools decided to ban shorts for boys in favour of skirts. Yes. <laughs> That's right, this was covered in the Express and the Daily Mail and the Telegraph, the so-called conservative-leaning newspapers. Parents furious after school lets boys wear skirts in summer but bans shorts. I remember this earlier this summer. Madness. Hi to uh, Craig. Hi, Craig. He says, God is good, God is great, the greater God, goods and profits. Gods and profits. All the same thing. It's all in the accent. In this case, those two little dots that stretch out the vowel. After all, God is not a name and it is not the same thing as deity. Just saying says Craig. Thank you, Craig. 29 minutes past the hour. It's time for a tune. I am now going to open the Skype and the telephone line so that you can call me and you better because we're all we have today. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44 161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. Yes, talk to me now, I said. BBG, not the BBC. Now the king told the boogie boo. Did a 
The Clash on the Richie Allen Show. That is Rock the Casbah. Now, I believe our first caller, Gerald, might very well be in the country of Nicaragua. Is that right, Gerald? That's right, Richie. How are you? Can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear, mate. Great to uh, chat with you. Excellent. What are you doing in Nicaragua for a start? Uh, Well, I have a guest house here in Granada, Nicaragua. I'm Irish originally. Fantastic. What a place. I travelled in Costa Rica many years ago in Central America. And I'm aware of that, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I, I loved the, the brief time I was there. So you, you didn't do the, I'll buy a house in Spain, I'll buy a house in France. You went to Central America. Fantastic. I went to Central America, <laughs> yes. Actually, yes, um, and I went to Nicaragua, not Costa Rica as well. Wow. I didn't, didn't care much for Costa Rica. He didn't care much for and go on sell in in thirty seconds sell Nicaragua to us would be possible apartment owners in the future if things ever turn out right. Oh, well, Granada is the oldest city in Latin America, so it's got a lot of historical value. Um, you've also got all the history from the pirates, including uh, Lord Nelson and uh, Henry Morgan, etc. Um, the architecture is an old old style colonial um, housing and uh, absolutely sun shining every day. So yeah, no complaints, Richie. Life is good. Brilliant. And it's, a very, it's a very it's a very um, simple life still. And would you spend much time there now of a year, Gerald? I've been here for twelve years, Richie. Oh, so you live there permanently? Ah, right. I thought you might be back and forth from Dublin, but you're there permanently now. No, I've I've no intentions of going back to to Ireland if I can avoid it. To be honest with you, I'd be very much in agreement with yourself as regards to what's going on back in the Republic. And it's a better life in Nicaragua. And I mean, in terms of the COVID thing, because I just haven't a clue. What was it like in March 2020 in Granada, Nicaragua? Well, my last clients left here on March the second in Nicaragua. Um, now I was kind of fairly in tune as to what was going on as regards to being a psyop kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, I was kind of, um, they left on the 2nd of uh, March, but we didn't have any lockdowns here. Um, our president kept the borders open. Um, so yeah, we were one of only eight or nine countries that kept the borders open. But the, 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 in reality, all the other countries closed their borders, so there was nobody coming through anyway. So nobody getting in. And in terms of nope. in terms of, you know, meeting people, I mean you'll be aware in, in the UK and in Ireland you can't meet more than one household indoors and you can't meet more than two households outdoors. Did you have any of that with the Nicaraguan author- authorities? No, our president turned around and said if you don't work you don't eat. Fantastic. So, so we just carried on as normal, you know, just watch the T V and watch everybody else going mad. Watch the rest of the world going mad, and the streets of Granada were not piled up with bodies, were they? Oh, there's absolutely, you, you, like as I said to everybody, you just walk out the street, you look up and you look down, there's no sign of a pandemic whatsoever. It's madness. And like even during the pandemic, I've had doctors coming and staying here. <coughs> Excuse me, Richie. <coughs> um, so yeah, and they're like, the hospitals are empty, you know, so a lot of, a lot of, bullshit going around but we also had a coup in 2018 um and so that kind of um backed by the us and the eu and um, so that kind of helped things as well because that cut off tourism prior to the COVID. yeah the cia has been meddling in the affairs of nicaragua since uh well since forever hasn't yeah it's it? never ending 
It's never ending. That's right for anybody who knows their Latin American history. You're listening to Gerald, by the way. Gerald is Irish, but he's run a guest house in Granada, Nicaragua for 12 years. And he's telling us, and he's right, because as he's speaking to us, I'm looking this stuff up because I've got to do that. He's right. They didn't um, lock down in, in his country. The president said, you got to work, um, you, you got to eat. They didn't tell people what to do. The hospitals weren't busy. I mean, Wow. While the rest of the world yeah. is committing economic suicide, Gerald. The only place, yeah, absolutely. And the only place that you have to wear masks are American businesses. So like the, the Americans own the supermarket chains, Walmart, and they own the banks. So they're the only place you have to mask up. Otherwise, like there's no social distancing in restaurants or bars or anything else. Life just goes on as normal, really. When you think what they've done to children in our country, in Ireland, what they've done to children oh. in Europe... Yeah. It's absolutely shocking. Like I'm just I'm watching from quite a distance away, and just seeing some of the pictures of women or um, people waving at windows with their loved ones behind the windows. It just it was disgusting, really disgraceful kind of scenes to be watching. Do you feel a bit like me? Um, I used to be a bit more hot-headed when I was younger, a bit more judgmental. I'm not so much these days, but I I like to think that even if I hadn't had my, I hate to say awakening, but I don't think I would have been told you can't go and see granddad or gran, you, you, you can't. I don't think I'd have allowed that, Gerald. I don't think I'd have put up with it. The thing that really has affected me to this day is how people so willingly went along with what was obviously ridiculous, arbitrary rules, right? No, I would agree 100% with you. I mean, I'm the same. I'm not a hothead, but I'm a, kind of a a pretty hard head and um yeah no you you like i mean this whole idea like i have a small business like you never shut your doors rule number one in business you'd never shut your doors because one everybody can rely on you once you have your doors open yeah now i mean i've seen businesses closed down because they shut their doors they didn't know what to do they got all confused nobody knows whether they're open or closed and and they lost a lot of business that way which it's just remarkable that businesses in in, in ireland and in england were shutting their doors and i couldn't believe that so again, you know, again, so willingly, like knowing that it was going to be financially catastrophic, knowing that the furlough money would have to be paid back in the future, I can't get over it. And would you, of course, you will have family in Ireland. And I'm guessing that in corresponding with them, you'd have been saying to them, listen, everything is hunky-dory over here. Nobody is dropping dead. We're just carrying on as normal, you know? Oh, yeah, but you, you, you try and speak to people in Ireland now, and then because you have a different point of view now, you, they just shut you out. Like, you know, so it's, you know, I lost a lot of friends at the start of the COVID thing when you kind of tell them, listen, you know, but that's kind of the way it goes, right? It's the world we're living in now, I think. It, absolutely. You're a fluent Spanish speaker, no doubt. Um, mas o menos. <laughs> you, you do well. Picked up a couple of I'm proud of you. Cupola Fuckle. Just for our listeners who don't know, that's um, the Irish language for a few words. Um, but listen, I wouldn't be in any position to throw any stones. I was in Spain for uh, over eight years and I very little myself and, and the missus became fluent in the language. So uh, it's absolutely gas to be speaking with you. And Yeah, well, I, I, I do actually speak quite okay Spanish. Um, I mostly I have, I have uh, several children, so I'm kind of teaching them English is what I'm trying to do. Fantastic. So you married a, a Nicaraguan last then? I married a Nicaraguan last and have four children. So, yeah. And uh, I have a nice guest house and a couple of swimming pools. And life is good, Richie. I can't complain, you know. Sounds um, brilliant. Like, Sounds idyllic. One of, the, one of the things that, you know, um, um, like here we have like open markets. 
So it's like a farmer's market kind of thing. So you just go to the market and buy all your food and everything else. So like I don't like do the, the supermarket stuff because of um, obviously masking and vaccines. Well, we didn't ask for vaccines, but masks, etc. So, so you're you're I, buying I, you're buying direct from the farmers then. Yeah, they come in like like during the coup when they had the coup happen, they blocked all the roads and stuff like that with the with these barricades. So, but the farmers used to come in through the back roads into the countryside and then they stock up the market like because you couldn't get like you couldn't get uh, American stuff like you couldn't get Coca Cola, you couldn't get bottles of water that kind of stuff during the coup. Yeah. But the farmers were bringing in all the vegetables and the, the meats and everything in through the back roads. So, the market's a great place to have, and like that's what's happened. That's what like in Ireland now. Like the markets are all gone under EU um, legislation back in the nineties, um, so they have to kind of everyone has to go to a supermarket now. You That's know? right. Like when I grew up in Gorey and Wexford, you had vegetable shops, you had butchers, you had fishmongers, you even had a cobbler. <laughs> you know, you had and they, a cobbler now. Yeah, you had huh? a cobbler. You're right. You had a cobbler. I remember there was a cobbler's. I'm not sure if it was in Michael Street in Waterford, but there was. a... There was a cobbler's. Uh, while you were talking about going to the market, it popped into my head. Do you serve lunch or an evening meal at the guest house for guests? I don't. We just do bed and breakfast. Bed and breakfast, yeah. So you so you serve breakfast in the mornings. And so I'm thinking, because I remember when I was in San Jose, Costa Rica, there was a lovely breakfast with rice and black beans. Do you, do yes. <laughs> Gallo Pinto, Rick. Oh, it's lovely that, yeah. I, I fell in love yeah. with that when I was there. Pinto, Gallo Pinto now for supper in the evening times. With uh, Then they all eat barbecue street food here, so everything is cooked on the streets. So you'll have uh, Gallo Pinto with plantains, which is the fried bananas, and then you'll have uh, your either chicken, beef, or pork. You're killing me, Gerald, you know that. You're absolutely killing me, because I miss it so I much. Cause go on. The one thing about Nicaragua is they really feed you well. And they have very um, different agricultural laws to the rest of the world. So, like, where you look at the United States now, where you've got four or five companies that own, like, Monsanto and Bayer and all, they own all the um, the rights to the agriculture, whereas here, it's the individual own the rights to the agriculture. So that's why our farmers can progress and do well for themselves, you know. And that's and a battle. Yeah. Sorry, Gerald, that's a big battle. What you've just said there is probably the most important thing that anybody's going to say on the show this week. That's huge. These um, biotech companies, they, they have managed to, to get their clothes into Latin America, South America and other countries uh, in, in Central America. They have. And we, we know what they've done in India, these uh, uh, these companies. But but you're saying that the farmers and the, the Nicaraguan people are so far being, being able to hold them off at the moment. Absolutely. Well, Nicaragua is a very stubborn country. We're a people's republic uh, and a Bolivarian society, as you know. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we have, like, the ALBA group, which was set up by uh, Hugo Chavez, who I met here one day. Did you? And, uh, Give yeah, over. he was sitting inside my door here one day. <laughs> he was in here. He was up for the inauguration of um, Ortega's in, in 2011 presidency. I think if I'd so have seen him, I'd have fallen down. One of my heroes too, huh? Yeah, if I'd have seen him, I'd have grabbed him and hugged him. I wouldn't have left him go, yeah. What a man. I was sitting in the car and I was, I'd had to take a double take. And you know the way you say you should never meet your heroes. So I just gave him a nod and he gave me a nod. And that was kind of it, really. <laughs> Amazing. I mean, what, what a man. And, and you know, there will be people listening to this program now and they say, ah, there you go, Richie. You know, you've fallen for it. He was a politician. But if they knew what he did and what he achieved in Venezuela, if they actually knew, and not what they read in the Mail or in the Telegraph or in the Irish Times, um, the man was a saint on earth. There's never been Absolutely. anybody like him. Yeah, 
Amazing. Even look at Venezuela right now. I mean, like you have Maduro down there right now. They've just completed building three million free homes in Caracas for the people out of a population of 60, uh, with a population of six million. So that's 50 percent of the population now have free housing. And then they, you know, they, they'll tell you like, oh, like Maduro, the elections are. Thing. He doesn't have to because it's a progressive society. I mean, they, like even here in Nicaragua, when I came here, there was no water, there was no electricity, there was no supermarkets, there was no hospital, there was no sewerage. Now that's all completely changed. So what possessed you then? What possessed you 12 years ago to move to a third world country like that? I mean, moving from first world Ireland, your TV, your internet, your car, your highways, and off you went to Nicaragua. Why? Why did you do it at the time? Well, I, well, I lost my job in 2009 in the economic crash. So it was, I just said, right, it's time to take time off and, and go travel the world kind of thing. So Latin America was the only part of the world I hadn't been to. That's why I started over this direction. And I started off in Panama, came up through Costa Rica into Nicaragua and just fell in love with it. Um, I mean, it's just amazing. It's an amazing country. I tell you, I tell you what it's like, Richie. It's like uh, Ireland back pre-Kelty uh, Tiger. You know, back in right. the 90, early 1980s, the 70s, late 70s, early 80s. Explain that now for our listeners. What do you mean specifically by that? I mean, we don't have the, uh, like... We have a, a very kind of simple life, a very kind of community life. You know, like right now you see a, a lot of families are separating in, in Europe and in the States. And, you know, I have customers that come down from the States and the boyfriend lives in New York and the girlfriend lives in San Francisco and they meet up twice a year kind of thing. And then, they, you know, they meet their families maybe on Thanksgiving, that kind of stuff. Whereas here is very family orientated. So they like the, the mother is highly, uh, is very precious in the Nicaraguan family. Um, and the kids are very uh, precious. So, yeah, I mean, it, there is the machismo society, machismo kind of part of it, which is is slowly, it is changing more rapidly now. So, and they've empowered females in, in the third world um, as opposed to empowering males. So, because men will spend their money on drugs, guns, alcohol, whatever, whereas females will spend it on their families. And that came out of the UN back in the, the UN, when the UN changed right. the kind of policies on it. Yeah, I I can see the issue there. I can see the problem with that. And you mentioned guns, like like violence. What, what, what you know, compared to back home, I suppose, is violence an issue there at all? Kidnappings, that no. sort of stuff, no? Not at all. It's one of the safest countries in the world. Isn't that incredible? You're selling it well, to me. I'm thinking... Starters, for starters, they're too poor. I mean, the average Nicaraguan lives on $2 a day. So they can't afford to buy a gun, not alone bullets. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. But like you go to Costa Rica, they, they'll tell you Costa Rica is very safe, but it's not. I mean, it's full of Colombians and drugs and everything else. And it's all money laundering and everything else. It's a puppet state of the United States is what Costa Rica is. Of course is. it is. Yeah. I mean, I saw that when I was there. This is uh, what I call Gerald to start us off with. You're listening to Gerald. Um, he's originally from Wexford, I think. You mentioned Gorey. I don't know if you're originally from Wexford. but yeah, um, I am you're Brad, a, Richie. a gory man. You, you, uh, you beware a gory, I'm sure. Of course, yeah, yeah, only up the road from us. And um, Gerald um, emigrated 12 years ago to Nicaragua from Ireland. He travelled the world before that, as he said. He'd pretty much been everywhere except that part of the world. Um, has uh, a business there, a guest house. He's married to a Nicaraguan lady. He's got four children. And uh, he's told us that during COVID, the government said, well, this is uh, lockdowns are not for us. The social distancing isn't for us. Um, just carry on as normal. Oh, God. I'd move there, but I jinxed the place. Do you know that? If I moved over there. <laughs> no, I, I, actually, this would be perfect for you because you have the right mentality. 
Um, I don't think this is a, uh, the mentality from imperialist people like the Americans and the Canadians and stuff yeah. like that. They don't understand. They don't understand the politics. They don't understand how the country functions. They don't understand that kind of you know. So they they're always angry and bitter about everything anyway. So it's like yeah. it's a strange. You you know the expats. I mean you. I do. You've met them yourself in uh, Spain and uh, and you know the the characters that they they bring. Uh, but the reason I was ringing though, uh, Richie, was yeah, we're getting confused last week about the. I uh, was it the BAME community you have in um, is this, um, and you were talking about the global, the global majority, the phrase global majority. You were oh, that's right, that. that's right. There was some council in London, uh, one of the councils, one of the it could be yeah. Hammersmith, it might have been Hammersmith actually. We're going to remove right. the term ethnic minority and replace it with the term global majority, which is all a bit yeah. silly. But this this tickled but you. There is a yeah, because it's, it's like it's, what's happening is that like they, they refer to you know Europe and the, this as the collective West, and they refer to the rest of the world as the global South. Right. But the global South is is actually now changing the name to the global majority. Because obviously the we're 120 odd countries and they're only 50 odd countries, so That's so it's, really just, it's capturing yeah. the, it's capture, capturing the language is what I'm, I was trying to talk about, you know. Right to take ownership of language and to 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 make yeah, it's confusing, yeah, it's isn't it? It's propagandizing, yeah, weaponizing language. Yeah. They don't want the Russians and the, and the global South to be known as the global majority because that gives the impression then that the rest of the world doesn't you know doesn't agree with. Like, I mean, the rest of the world doesn't agree with, um, you know, like what's going on in Ukraine and all that kind of stuff. I mean, Zelensky, he went to talk to the, the African Union and only four countries turned up and the rest of them all ignored him. That's and right. Those four, countries told him to, those four countries told him to stop stop the war, you know. Come to an arrangement. The same, happened, the same happened here in Central and South America. Same same response, you know. But then you, you look at the Europeans and it's like more guns, more money. It's shocking stuff, really. Isn't it really? Not a single politician has been even asked by a journalist, why are you not um, urging Zelensky to come to some, you know, entente cordiale with uh, with uh, this guy, Vladimir Putin, because this can't continue. So there's got to be some s- solution brokered. Not, 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 you, not a whisper. Sorry, Richie, I tell you who has been fantastic has been Claire Daly from Ireland. Yeah, Cl- Claire was on this programme a few years ago. She was excellent. Independent yeah, TV, no. of course. In um, where's Claire from? Dublin, Dublin, somewhere, Dublin, somewhere. Yeah, she was my, she was my, she was in my Dublin South. Dublin um, South, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, consistency, but she's, uh, yeah, no, she's like she, they love her. <laughs> Outside of the collective West, they love her. She's like really like doing some fantastic work in the European Union right now. You know, so and she's just back from Pakistan now as well. So she's over there because of well, because of the flooding and climate change and all that kind of stuff. She, but I'd love to hear her on your show again in the future. I will. I'll invite her on again. Yeah, she came on to talk about these issues, really globalism and 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 whatnot. About four years or so ago, she was due to come back on, and then we got into the uh, the COVID stuff. So no, I will. I'll, I'll definitely drop her an email, Gerald. I'm just about to move on, right? Because uh, yeah, they're, they're killing me. They're yeah. backing up the the, the, the calls there. But what a call. Yeah, and a great show, Richie. You're a gentleman for saying that, but you've made my day for calling in from Nicaragua. Um, Amazing, Gerald. Peace and love to everybody from Nicaragua. And you too, and to your family. And and I hope we we do this again. That's Gerald, who was originally from Gorey. And uh, you you heard him, that's me there, um, on 
Tuesday's Richie Allen Show. What an amazing call to kick it off. Right, more of your calls coming in a moment. Here are the details you need. No, before that, let me do this. Colds, seasonal flu and respiratory diseases, a nuisance, but we all get them. Now more than ever, it is essential to have a robust immune system. Inspired by the Zelenko Protocol, Immune X365 is a unique formulation that combines effective levels of vitamins D3, C and K2, as well as zinc and quercetin. Take back your health with just two capsules of Immunex 365 every day. As a special launch offer to UK listeners of The Richie Allen Show, you will receive a discount of 15% by using the code RichieAllen365 at checkout. Go to Immunex365.co.uk to get yours now and with free two-day track delivery. Right, if you want to call me, and you should do, here are the details again. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. And obviously, I spent a little bit more time with Gerald than I ordinarily would do, but there was no way I was going to drop that call. Fascinating stuff. Rob is on the line. How are you doing, Rob? Are you well? Hi, Richie. Good to speak to you. I think we, did we speak once, but it was ages and ages ago. I think you might have been on. Am I right? Am I wrong? No, no. This is me first First time. time. Thank God for that. Two first time callers. You're very welcome, Rob. Thanks, mate, for taking the time to, uh, to drop in. Where, where, where are you based, first of all? Um, I'm based in Lincolnshire um, and I'm a, I'm a secondary school teacher and I wanted to, to call in just really to pass on some information to your listeners. Oh, do, by all means. Um, but first of all, I just wanted to say I've, uh, I get out and about a lot and I speak to lots of different people. And um, you know how you sound people out in conversations. I often drop in, um, do you listen to Richie Allen? And um, oh. more and more people are now saying, yeah, 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 the Irishman who swears a lot. Yeah, yeah, I listen to him. Are you kidding? So, that's so fantastic. So your reach is growing. Oh, that's lovely to hear that, Rob, because you never know, do you, when you're in a in a a studio built out of a spare room in a house. You never have any. We have the numbers, but we have no idea really who's listening and who isn't listening. So I that's, bet the that's numbers lovely. are bigger than they tell you, actually. They might well be, but thanks for saying that. That's lovely to hear that. This has made my day again. This is great stuff. So you're a teacher, secondary school teacher. What what have you got to tell us? Yes, right. Well, um, I, I wanted to pass on some information because I'm also a parent. I've got two young boys um, who are approaching secondary school and um, yeah, I just wanted to um, sort of explain a bit of background about what's going on in secondary schools at the moment and then maybe pass on a bit of advice to um, to potential parents, because I'm sure a lot of your listeners are parents. Absolutely. Um, and I, I know you've mentioned yourself on previous shows that if you were lucky enough to have children, you would you would homeschool them. Yeah. Um, and I'm inclined to agree a bit, actually, but um Obviously, that's not possible given everybody's situation. So, um, so yeah. Anyway, I'll cut to the chase. Yeah, take your time. We've got plenty of time. This is. I, I know this um, is going right. to be interesting. Okay. So, so I mean, I'm 17 years a teacher now, and it's 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 tra- changed hugely since I started. Um, the the main shift has basically been this shift to what's called MATs, which is multi academy trusts. So we've gone from Um, local authorities overseeing lots of schools individual schools doing their own thing Um, we've now well it comes from Tony Blair funnily enough he brought in the uh, the academies act um, 
and uh, that was in the early 2000s. And since then, schools have started to collectivise together. So you've got more and more, and I'm talking about secondary schools here, that come together uh, uh, as one. And, and they're now known as multi-academy trusts. And we could have, you can have the one I work in is up to 10 secondary schools. Some of them are 20, some of them are even bigger. Um, Can you explain exactly what that means? Because what it sounds to me like it means is that you have a number of schools almost coming under the umbrella of an authority. Is that is that what you mean, basically? That is what I mean. Yes. So you'll you'll have a trust. Uh, it's almost what you'd call a public private partnership because um, they're very much more run like a business. Um, so, um, yeah, and you sort of bypass the local authority and direct from government really and they and these academies are driven really by uh the department of education and ofsted um but it's it's more the way that they're structured they're very very sort of top-down autocratic structure um um where you've got ceos on up on over two hundred thousand pounds a year um never go near a classroom to be honest um, right. Um, and before these multi-academy trusts, who was responsible? So I know this. I know that schools wouldn't have been part of anything like a trust. They wouldn't have been part of a group of schools. So you would have had an individual secondary yes. school. Now, who would have been responsible for keeping an eye on that back in the day before Tony Blair? Would it have been the local authority? It would have been the local authority, yes. Um, right. But the, the head teachers themselves had a lot more... Um, a lot more say in what was going on and the schools were more individual so um uh the head teachers now i would class them as middle management really they just implement a policy coming from a policy yes and what yes. is uh, so th- th- this is ob- first of all folks are listening to rob he's a secondary school teacher this is huge this because i kind of have an idea where we might be going with this and um, what does it mean then what has it meant for the kids, for the youngsters, for the teenagers going into these schools, what has happened? Well, overall, it, it, I've I've said they're stripping the humanity out of education, and I've also used the phrase that education's losing its soul. Um, it's just because it's run much more like a business, um, and you you're dealing with such bigger numbers, so they're looking at policies that they're going to implement over over ten secondary schools. Um, it just strips out the humanity of it and the people at the chalk face and the students um, are way down the pecking order of, of the decision making. Um, um, yeah, it's just uh, it's happened slowly over time as these things do, but it's just a creep, creep, creep. Um, and would you find, and- Rob, would you and your colleagues find then that you are being asked to teach or to convey ideas to secondary school pupils that you don't think are appropriate for them or are too yes right okay <laughs> uh yes well I'll, I'll start one of the big things that's come in um and it comes all the way from unesco right at the very top at the un these things called core curriculums and within those core curriculums this is in in england we have this these Thing, I think most schools call it PSHE, which is Personal Social Health Education. Um, 
and um, that's the area where they, they push these agendas that you and all your listeners will know. So um, really, that's what I wanted to say. Why I wanted to come on tonight was to say to parents, if you've got kids at secondary school who are or like mine are going to secondary school, you ha- you're going to need to prepare them for what they, they're going to be bombarded with certain types of information now i do i want to add a caveat to that there's still a lot of good people in schools a lot of well-meaning people um i think some of them are misguided but um it's um there's still a lot of good stuff going on in secondary schools but there is issues with as particularly with this area which is personal social and health education i think you've had some teachers on before that have talked about it um Probably, probably pre the COVID thing. Yeah. I, I do. I remember speaking. There, there's a. Did you have a lady who was a football referee as well? I think we did. We had Sarah on, and yes, and Sarah yeah. was brilliant. Sarah Plumley, and before Sarah, um, I there there was a, a wonderful teacher called Sean, who's from Manchester, yes. who came on talking about this. And uh, so, so it isn't the first time we've heard about it. But yes. you're, you're going into great I mean, detail about this. C- can I just ask? So, so in this area of personal social health education, can you be specific in terms of like what sort of ideas are they discussing with the teenagers? <laughs> well, there's a lot of the stuff is mixed in. So you you get some good stuff, and then you get underlying messages. So there's a lot of stuff that's around identity politics um racism racial racial issues what seems to be pushed being pushed heavily now is a lot of stuff around misogyny um um i could have a <laughs> another conversation no, no, can, can i can i can i ask you to, can there. i ask you to um, to take your time because i'm not going to kick you off this is not the yes. lvc radio um, i want to hear what you have to say this is really interesting now. so climate change stuff as well right it, it's like a constant drip feed of information um and obviously it's not it's not backed up with with facts so I would say schools treat the climate change situation very much like the BBC, where it's settled science and um, there's a lot of talk about carbon footprints and um, how carbon's damaging the environment. And and it's as if that issue is settled. Um, And that's kind of what I I want parents to know is that they're going to get this information in in tutor time, which is every morning. Um, A lot of schools have a... Day, full days off timetable, which they might call a personal development day or a PSHE day, um, where they'll get a full day of this sort of stuff. Um, uh, and, and it's even being integrated into curriculums. I was going to ask so, you that. So so if you're a student, it, it's not impossible. You might be in an English class or a history yes. class and they might start dropping in climate change or critical race theory. Absolutely, yeah. It's right. been integrated into everything, and and in our curriculums, we've got to we're asked now to show evidence that we're we're bringing in a certain element of personal social health education. Or in my subject in particular, I teach design technology, so there's a lot of stuff about sustainable development, carbon footprints, climate change in there, 
Um, obviously, if the kids get me, I will I will give them both sides of the the argument. But um, now, now, I suspect now, now, they're not getting that elsewhere. That's in a lot brave of, of you, though. I mean, f- for you to do that, surely it comes with some risk, does it, for you to say, "Look, kids, there are two sides of this." Um, it it does a little bit. Um. <sighs> A lot of the kids are more switched on than actually I think people give them credit for. Actually, they, um, I think there's something about youth where you can actually sniff out bullshit quite easily. I yeah. think, um, um, yeah. <laughs> we, we had we we had when we were in our teen years, Rob, and you're younger than I am. Yes. We did have a, a natural inbuilt suspicion of anything that authority yes. was telling us so maybe yes. that's that's no bad thing but this well, is I, i've often said to some of my colleagues it, it's going to be the naughty kids that save us in the end because they're the ones that will just go no no not i'm not it. having it <laughs> and, and you don't think that parents are totally clued in to this coming into no. secondary education no i mean i i know what it's like as a parent myself if you, you ask your kids what do you do at school today and it's like Oh, not much really. And it, it, it is actually very difficult to get information out of them. But I would say you need to try and prize that information out of them as a parent. Find out what's going on at school. Find out what they're being told um, and actually find out who's telling them it. Because like I say, it's, there's a, there is a lot of good teachers in there, but I, I, I would suggest that most secondary schools, I'm a big secondary school with over 90 teachers, We've probably got about five or six teachers who I would classify as activists who um, who are really there to sort of push out certain messages. And is that by uh, accident or by design, do you think? Um, bit of both, bit of both. Um, I, I, I think I have a lot of respect for one of your regular callers, uh, um, Mark Windows. He yeah. talks about useful idiots quite a lot. Um, I think some of these people actually mean well, but they're just very, very misguided. Um, Meaning that they, and, uh, they they might very well believe in the things yes. they are saying, but yes. but it doesn't make um, them. Can I do a quick summary? Not that I'm kicking you off. I'm not. Absolutely. I want you to stick around for a bit. <laughs> We've got Rob on the line. He's a secondary school teacher from Lincolnshire, and he's talked about how. This began with Blair, we know this. I, I I don't know it because I'm an expert. I've been told this by people who know more than me, people like Rob, that multi-academy trusts grew in the 2000s, in the Tony Blair uh, second and third terms, Brown. This is carried on with Cameron, of course. And it is schools being governed or managed by academy trusts, like 10, 11 or 12 schools or nine schools, taking control of what's going on in schools where this used to be monitored by local authorities. And Rob is saying that through this system, ideologies are being presented to children as factual, as statements of fact, when in fact they are ideologies. And he's concerned about it. Other teachers are undoubtedly concerned about it as well. And Rob is kind of worried that parents might not know that this is going on. And he says that through personal social health education this is what they've called this this kind of agenda they're introducing things like climate change theory and identity politics and gender identity stuff um through the the stem subjects maybe or or the the core subjects like english and and history and 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 he's worried about that so look the obvious question for me if i'm if i'm even a half decent journalist is 
What do guys like you do about that? Do you raise the alarm? Do you complain? Do you write letters or emails to the trusts and the bosses of the trusts? Do you get anywhere with that? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I've put my head above the parapet at the school and I, I've, I've spoken out. And I, I think this is, uh, I, I mean, I'm a head of a department, so I've kind of reached uh, a, a middle management level. But I, I know I will never go any higher because <laughs> I've asked too many questions. Um, and I think, it, like you say, it's evolved over time that those that speak out, like myself, we will never get in any positions um, where we, we where we can influence much change, really. Um, that they, they only sort of advance their um, <laughs> their useful idiots or um, or people who actually um, buy into all this stuff. Um, and you think, yeah, Rob, it's... that this is harm? Let, let me read some messages. Huge yeah. interest in this, and in Gerald earlier, loads of messages about Gerald as well. We'll stay with Rob for a minute, though. Grace says. Yeah. Grace says, P-S-H-E, the bane of my life. What a load of nonsense. My daughter, who was 10, has come home telling me she has been learning about how a man and a man and a woman and a woman can have a baby. It's absolutely disgusting for a child of that age to have to sit and listen to that. She came home last Tuesday with a diversity badge. There had apparently yeah. been two instances of racism in the school, so they had to cut English class short to have an assembly about racism and about being more diverse. They then went back to class. They signed a book to say they will be, they will be diverse. And w- once they did that, they got a badge. Oh, my God. I can't mm-hmm. imagine Grace is lying. Imagine somebody says yeah. in a primary school there's been a racist incident. They take the kids to assembly. They tell them to sign a book, uh, basically a, a contract saying that they'll be more diverse and then they're given a badge. What's your response to that, Rob? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, I know uh, in behaviour policies of school that they're, they're introducing these things called hate incidences. Um and of course, there's no definition of what hate is. Uh, there's no one who's going to be the arbiter. It's just um, subjective. <laughs> subjective. Some, one say so. Basically. Well, that's right. You yeah. could steal. You yeah. could be a twelve. You could let's let's stay with secondary school. You could be a fourteen-year-old kid, and you're in a class with um, I don't know with Brian, and Brian might be a black kid. You could take something belong to Brian just because you're receiving little git. And they, they might add on that this was a racially motivated crime. When, when who knows? I mean, yes, the kid just yeah. stole some money off of Brian. These are, Turan has been on to say, I'm an LSA. I'm going to be honest, because honesty is the best policy. I don't know what LSA stands for. Uh, I'm not sure. It might be some kind of learning support. Yeah, um, well done. I, I think, think it so, is. Yeah. Brilliant, Rob. Anyway, yeah. Turan says, English lesson today was about annotating a text. The text was about Christmas and overindulging and the effects that this has on the climate. I was horrified. <laughs> so yeah. Turan is a, a teaching yeah. assistant by the sounds of it and has had yes. to sit through a lesson yes. where they talked about Christmas being bad for the climate. This is what you're talking about, Rob. Yeah, I mean, I'll give you another example. Um, I think last year as a form tutor, we were asked to... Um, uh, get all the students to do this online survey. It was a, a WWE, uh, um, uh, sorry, WWF um, 
survey and it, it was all about your carbon footprint so i mean i didn't do it in the end because I, I looked at it and it was one of those things that i just discarded but it basically said uh ask them lots of questions about um how much red meat do you eat how much do you go on holiday and do you go on an, a, a foreign holiday where you fly um uh, and, and then after they'd filled in all these questions, it kind of advised them of how to alter their lives. So, so yeah, if, if, if they liked eating meat and they liked going on holiday, they were basically a bad person. And it's, it's just those sorts of messages just chink, chink, chink all the time at these students. I, I feel sorry for them. The world they're growing in, up in today, uh, I feel very lucky that I grew up in the 80s and 90s. It was much simpler. Much simpler, yeah. We yeah. weren't we weren't constantly bombarded with stories no. of apocalyptic. No. And uh, one of your previous comments, I mean, yeah, a lot of the stuff is that's given to these students is not age appropriate. It's um, um, you're tackling issues that are just not not appropriate for for children. On um, on that, Rob, you you yeah. said one of your lads is ten, I think, or or yes. is or yes. eleven. So w have you been paying attention to the relationship and sex education curriculum that they want youngsters to be to be studying, you know? Uh, yes. Well, I mean, w uh, we we took ours out of school the day that was delivered. So um, um, we've decided to do that ourselves at home. How did um, that, that go down? One piece of advice I would give to parents if they have these special days, um, they don't put them, send them in that day. Um, um, it's difficult at secondary school because it's sort of in everything and they're trying to integrate it into all the curriculums. Um, but yeah, where possible, opt out. Um, but but I'm quite lucky. We we live at we've got a very small sort of village primary school, which is a bit more sensible, shall we say? But um, yeah, I know it's not not great for everybody. Um, but yeah, as parents, just try and try and be aware. And, and another message I, I, I would try and pass on is um, um, challenge them. Once you know who who the teachers are, the activist teachers, um, contact the the, uh, the the head teacher. Tell them, let them know you're not happy because th they just don't hear it often enough. Um, bless them, teachers. They tend to live in what I call the um, the BBC Guardian bubble, and that. They, they just don't hear. I mean, if we played yeah. your show to them, I think they would... Um... <laughs> they might call the police. Yeah. yeah. Possibly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but the, yeah, they just don't... They are very out of touch. Uh, and, and like I say, if you, if you think about it, a lot of this... When I started teaching nearly 20 years ago, it, it was a left-leaning profession. You had a lot of what I called Tony Benn types. Um, no bad thing. socialists. Yeah. Um, and uh, I didn't agree with them on everything, but but we were on the same page with with most things. And um, um, the, all those characters have sort of gone. They've either retired or been pushed out. There's very few of those left. Um, um, it's it's the new progressive types that have come through, and and they've basically they've they've gone to primary school, and then they've gone to secondary school, uh, then they've gone to sixth form. Then they went to uni and then they come back to school to teach. They've never left the system. And um, it's quite obvious um, yeah. 
Um, they didn't. Yeah. They didn't have that year or two away traveling, seeing a bit of the world. That's that's disappeared. I've read. Well, some of them might have, but yeah, that, yeah not as much they're, as, they're, as as used to to happen. I, I read that in the Times, the Sunday Times, a, a few months yeah. ago, uh, lamenting. One of the Sunday Times writers was lamenting that it has decreased in you know in in occurrence. You don't see so many kids going I'm going to take the 12 months now I'm going to go off around the world and get dirty you know work a couple of part-time jobs yeah. sleep in the in in the hostels and, yeah. and that's that's a big miss that yeah. isn't it you you, do, you also don't see many many old teachers now but very few over 50 and I'm sure you remember from your school days those wise old teachers yeah why is that are uh, they fed up of it is, uh, is it's a it the pay uh, yeah they're fed up of it they've been pushed out or um it is quite an intense job um so <laughs> um uh, and people yeah have just left and or just decided to go something else i mean i saw an article the other day they've got tremendous recruitment problems for teachers um um but uh yeah it's um there's a risk as well employed in what you just said there that they might even lower the standards even further in terms of who they allow to apply to become teachers. They, they, I don't know if they will dilute it down somehow. Rob, let me ask you, cause, yes. b- because because I'm going to move on. Th- that's yes, a hugely definitely. important <laughs> call. No, no, mate, that's brilliant. Um, tell me, and, and I wouldn't dare patronise you, will you stay in it? I mean, do you like it or love it enough to stick with it? I, I, I still enjoy the teaching side of things um yeah i mean i I teach a subject which is quite practical um uh, i enjoy working with the kids i especially enjoy teaching the sixth form it's i find that more challenging um uh yeah i've i don't think i'll be in it forever i don't think i will end up being one of those old teachers but um for the short term i'm i'm definitely in it yeah um um trying to throw a few spanners in the works and offer offer a bit of resistance where I can but um uh yeah it's it's quite scary where where, where these things are heading um like your friend Mark Window says uh, it's no good talking about um um whether Paul McCartney died in 1968 or not it's we're beyond that we need to 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 really focus on what's happening here and now and uh, and I would say to people, start acting at a local level, contact those what we used to call pillars of society. We need to they need to know that we're not happy with what's going on. Um, your ward councillors, um, if your students, if you've got a, a son or a daughter um, and you're hearing things, let their form tutor know that you're not happy and because these people are quite weak actually they will buckle under pressure but they they just don't hear it often enough i think brilliant call rob in in lincolnshire thanks so much for for phoning in with that i'm no um, problem i'll send you a message later on uh after the show if i don't it'll be first thing in the morning so that you can send me an email address because this will come up again and again and i'd like to bring you on as somebody who knows what he's talking about onto the regular show if that was okay with you so I'd like to keep that in touch with you. That would be fine, yeah I'd, I'd have to get better prepared I guess but yes I'll come on definitely. Well if you haven't prepared so, you should be in um, radio as a career I mean, that's absolutely there's, brilliant. There's nothing more important is there than, than, than kids and our mm. education and schools are microcosms of society and um, um, yeah we've got, we've got to try and influence them in our favour if we can. 
Rob, you mind yourself. Yeah. Good luck with the lads yes, going to secondary so. school All next year. Richie. Thanks, mate. Bye for now. Rob in Lincolnshire. Rob's a teacher, a secondary school teacher. And that is a, a sobering call, if I could say it, or put it a bit like that. I'm going to take a tune while I grab some water. because I, the old, I'm a bit croaky. Today. There's nothing wrong with me, just a bit croaky today. When I return, I'll take more of your calls and I'll read some of the messages that um, you've been leaving on the website too. You can continue to leave messages for me. It's richieallen.co.uk and it's comment live. It's comment live. Here is Bruce the Boss Springsteen with House of a Thousand Guitars. That is Bruce Springsteen, House of a Thousand Guitars. Listen, let me mention Mark Boyerski. Mark, um, how are you? If you happen to be listening, by the way. He's done an amazing thing. It's going on until next week. Um, I said it was this week, but I'm wrong. I'm always wrong. If anybody purchases an ebook at markbayerski.com, he will send the proceeds to the Richie Allen Show. And everybody who does that, their names will go into a hat and he'll make a draw. He's got lots of beautiful crystals that he is basically putting up for this draw. Go to markbayerski.com, go to his YouTube channel for more details on that. Buy a book, an ebook at markbayerski.com. You're supporting the Richie Allen Show and you go into a draw as well. Thanks again to Mark for that. Thanks to you uh, for your many messages. Let me read them before I take another call. I will take a call in a minute. There are callers queuing up there, but give me a minute so I can read out some of these. Uh, Patricia says, uh, since the agenda of the globalists is bringing in artificial intelligence, is it wrong to suggest that that is made easier when human beings are, of course, starting with children, when they are presented with the question, are you sure you know what gender you are? Making humans question who they are makes it so much easier to convince them that artificial intelligence is also an option, says Patricia. That's a very good comment, Patricia. A backbeat says we need more people like Rob in the teaching sector. I'm quite sure that it is extremely hard work for him, but he has my wholehearted support. Um, thank you for that. Patricia says, laughing out loud at the idea of the Guardian readers um, in the teaching staff room being advised to listen into your show, Richie, and then uh, all of them calling the boys in blue. <laughs> what has our beautiful country and its now manufactured woke gaslighting society, what's it all coming to via Mental Central, a.k.a. the word economic form? What's it all becoming? God help us, says Patricia. And herself came on to say, you can read all these comments, by the way, at comment live on richieallen.co.uk. Herself came on to say, exact same agenda rolling along here in the US. Charter schools, vouchers for parents and consolidation into monster schools. So consolidating schools, just like the uh, academies here, the multi-academy trust is happening in America. It's been happening slowly, as says herself on the uh, the the, the uh, comment live thing there. Good to be with you this particular Tuesday. Thanks so much for your calls. Here are the contact details again. Let me play the old sting, and then I'm taking another call. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. Now, there is a caller whose number ends 6612. I accidentally cut you off when you were due to come on. I'll call you back if you want to be a bit patient. So the person whose number ends 6612... 
my apologies, you were in the system and then I accidentally dumped you out. If you want to wait a bit, I'll call you after the next call. Let's go to the phones then. Caller, welcome to the programme. Who am I speaking with? Hi, Richie. This is uh, Charlie Stevenson. Um, we have spoken before. That's my perspective. No I worries. The, the line is really, really bad. I can barely hear you. Let me see if I can do something with that line. It's a dreadful line there. Um, and it shouldn't be because it, don't get too many bad mobile phone lines these days. Let's try that again. I could barely yeah, hear you first time. Go ahead. Okay, just hoping that's a little bit better. It's a thousand times better. Who am I speaking with again? Uh, so it's Charlie Stevens. How you doing, yeah, Charlie? Yeah. Good to hear from well, you, pal. Man. It's been a long time. Welcome back, yeah, buddy. Been. Thank you very much. It's lovely um, to hear from you, pal. What would you like to say? So, just very briefly, it was your previous caller on multi-academy trust. Rob, yeah. So, so what I have to say, I think, is extremely relevant, because my son um, attends a, a, one of those multi-academy trusts here in Luton, and very recently, like less than a month ago, he was pushed down a flight of stairs at school and he actually broke his hip and uh, had to be um, whisked across to Addenbrooke's in Cambridge to, to have a plate put in and have it screwed back together and all sorts. Jesus, Charlie. And, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, his, his Christmas is going to be in a wheelchair. Oh, um, Christ it's, almighty. It's, yeah. And he's, he's 13. I'm and, sorry to hear that, pal. He was pushed by another boy. That's right, that's right. And they have the CCTV footage and the police are looking into it and I won't, you know, name the school or anything. Yeah. Um, but uh, what, what I wanted to call in about was um, I thought Rob absolutely nailed it when he said that the way these, uh, these academies are run by, um, you know, CEOs and they're run like organisations and it takes the humanity out of it. That was absolutely on the money as far as I was concerned because I'd just written a letter this morning to the headmaster saying exactly that same thing and I actually said you are not running a Japanese bank you know, no offence to Japanese banks but yeah. you know you get the idea um, you, you, you can't take the humanity out of it you know he hasn't my boy hasn't had so much as a get well soon card from the school you know and um, when you talk to the senior leadership team they all club together to kind of protect the, the honour of the school, but they don't ever once kind of, you know, uh, reach out and say, hey, how's... How's he getting on? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So tell me this, so, so I, I mean, are they trying to wash their hands of it? Are they investigating why it happened? Did the boy do it deliberately to hurt your lad, or was it larking around? I mean, they should be trying to get to the bottom of it. Well, absolutely right. Um, well, the CCTV, CCTV footage shows a clear push. Um, my boy says that he was pushed deliberately. Um, he was going down the stairs quite slowly and gingerly because he got a hamstring injury from something else. And the, the, the chap behind him, who is uh, you know, kind of notorious within the, the school anyway, gave him a, a shove. Um, but their, their safeguarding lead... Um, described the, the shove to me as non-malicious. So I, I, I kind of didn't understand that. I thought, well, how, how do you have gradations? In, surely as a yeah. safeguarding league, you have a zero-tolerance policy on, on all kinds of shoving. So, and he's not, had, so, he's not had a grazed knee. He's had a serious injury as a result of this. 
Well, absolutely. You know, and we asked them to report it to the police and get them involved, and they would not do that. And did you? So did we, you call the police? Certainly did. And uh, the CID and the CID have been in there to read the right act to them and say, you know, this is this is how you do safeguard. Um, so uh, that's the feedback that I've had from CID. So it's ongoing so it, at the moment, Charlie? It's ongoing, yeah, absolutely. Well, good luck and with that. Jesus, what an injury. What a horrible thing to happen. It's, it's grotesque, yeah. But Rob, your previous caller, absolutely spot on. These schools are, um, you know, faceless organisations that are run very in a very sterile, corporate way. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think... Uh, it, it, it certainly made me think. We were dead proud when we got a new new academy here in in Luton, and we were dead proud. But now I'm sort of thinking, well, um, there's actually more to these these organisations than than meets the eye. And, and you know, buyer beware, caveat emptor. The line, no, not at all. The line is, is is coming in and out. But just before you go, Charlie, do you recognise mm-hmm. what Rob said about the indoctrination element of of the teaching? How the race theory and the identity politics stuff is creeping in. Do you recognise that? I, I do. What I would say is I have children in other schools which are not part of an academy and I couldn't separate the two. Right, I okay. Think both, both, academically speaking, do have the same elements of these kind of um, climate change, critical race theory agendas within their curriculum. So, but I don't have to say too much to my children because they're all pretty uh, intelligent. They're pretty clued on. in. And you know something, Charlie? And I mean this. I don't tell lies. I really do mean this. I don't have any problems with them introducing some of these theories to secondary school students so long as they give equal time to learned men and women who say it's a load of bollocks and I'll tell you why. If you do it like that, I have no problems with it. Absolutely right. Yeah, um, they do say sunlight is the best, the best disinfectant. So yeah. you've got to give all aspects of the uh, the theories that you're pushing and the um, the leading thinkers at the time. Absolutely agree with that. And and I, free speech is free speech. No matter who is is saying what they're saying, you've got to let everybody have a fair. Hundred percent. Can I just say good luck to to your lad? I hope he recovers. And recovers Thank you very much. soon, mate. Thank and, you very much. and the ongoing issue with the school. Good luck with that too, Charlie. And uh, much, lovely to hear from you, pal. Charlie's been listening to the program for a long time and uh, phoned in. I think a couple of years ago, the last time we heard from Charlie. I mean, Jesus Christ Almighty! I mean, what a horrible reality. Uh, Christmas facing up to that in a wheelchair, the lad. What a terrible way the school is dealing with that too. It's twenty-seven minutes to the top of the hour. He said, "I'd love to be like Charlie." And people like that, reasonable and rational. I don't have children, but I don't think I, I'd end up in jail, me. And I'm not advocating now violence and, and retribution. I'm not, but um, I have a bit of a short fuse, me. This is a Tuesday's Richie Allen show, by the way. It's uh, the phone-in. We've had um, some fascinating, to say the least, calls uh, so far. If you'd like to get involved, there is plenty of time. Thank you for the, to those of you who pointed out to me that... I mean, this is a seismic football shock now. Morocco has knocked Spain out of the World Cup. Last 16 match in the Qatar World Cup. Morocco winning 3-0 on penalties. 
the Spanish couldn't score a penalty to save their lives by the sounds of it. That is a seismic shock in the world of soccer or football. It really is. Morocco, I'm, I'm seeing on my news feed here, some football journalists are saying it's exactly what the World Cup in the Middle East needed. It needed a country like Morocco, North African country, doing well. And, uh, I mean, Saudi Arabia have had a good World Cup so far, haven't they, as well, if they're still in it. Here is the contact stuff for you. It should have played there. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. You can talk to me now. Now, I said, and I'm a man of my word, that I would call back a caller who... I accidentally dumped out of the system because I can be a bit of an idiot like that. In fact, I am an idiot. So uh, I think I've got them. Caller, a thousand apologies for dumping you out of the system. How are you? Who have I got? Hi, Richie. It's Lily Dower. Hello, Lily. I'm an idiot, Lily. I took your call and then in the (laughs) same motion, I knocked you out of the system. So uh, that's how I am. I'm an idiot. Welcome. Lovely to hear from you. How are you? Thank you. I'm good, thank you. How are you? Ah, sure, I'm still Great alive. Great show, by the way. Thanks very much. We had some amazing calls today. Absolutely amazing, Lily. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's flown by thus far. You know how it works. You've got the floor. And um, where are you, by the way? Uh, Watford. Down in Watford. Not a million miles away yeah. from North Wembley, where we used to be. Um, <laughs> yeah, I used to actually live in, in North Wembley. So I've heard you say before about living in Brent. And I'm like, my God. It was rough. You got out of there while you can. It, it was, was yeah, rough. It's got worse. It's and got you know worse, what, Lily? As, as rough as it was, like when I think back, we were paying £1,400 a month between us, between myself, Caroline and David Icke, for this two-bedroom, it was clean now, two-bedroom, two-bathroom, tiny, tiny, tiny kitchen, which was adjacent to the living room. And that was in 2013, £1,400 a month. Madness. Imagine what it would be now. I don't even want to think about it. I don't want to think <laughs> about it. But, but you didn't come on to talk about rental properties in Brent. No, no. <laughs> no, to be honest, um, I mean, listening to some of your callers, I, I, was, I didn't actually ring in to talk about this either, but I just wanted to say a quick kind of thing about my daughter who's she's 17 and she's she's uh, she's disabled she's severely autistic and I just think to myself the last couple of years I've actually been quite almost felt quite relieved that she's kind of sheltered from all this stuff that these young people are exposed to now do you know what I mean it's like I never thought I'd ever say that I feel relieved that she's like that but you know it's 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 sort of bittersweet, you. really, when you when you when you have a, a child like that, because you think about all the things they should be and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, they're part of me. I listen to your calls, and it's heartbreaking. And I think, you know, she she doesn't she doesn't have social media. She can't talk. You know, she doesn't have all of that. She still watches Disney stuff, and you know. And I just think, God, you know, I'm I'm almost a part of me relieved that she's not growing up in this crazy not not having to to go through teenagers. It. Yeah, and if, look, you don't have to yeah. answer this if it's too personal, but um. When you say like severely autistic, is she is she manageable? Is she calm? Is uh, I mean, how what 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 would a typical day be like for she your daughter? She needs well, no, she 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 needs twenty four hour supervision. She's basically, I guess, sort of 
like a toddler in a, in a grown-up body, really. That's how I would kind of describe her. She's amazing. She's absolutely amazing. She's the love of my life. But it's very, very different to what it should be. Do you know what I mean yeah. for, a, for a 17-year-old? So, yeah, but I, I actually didn't ring to talk about no, that. No, no, let's, let's, let's talk about what you there. rang in Just for, in case yeah. you hear her in the background as well, because she's quite noisy. She's got Tourette's and things like that going on as well. All so right, you might okay. Hear her in the no worries. <laughs> so do I. I've got Tourette's so as well. I <laughs> tell, tell her I'm her brother. I've got Tourette's as well. And, and it's been said more than within once on this program. But no, Lily, listen, the floor is yours. What, what did you come on to say? No, I actually, you know, I was listening to you last week and I was listening to you talking about it. I don't know. I don't know the difference between the online safety bill and the online harms bill. But I was actually um, talk, ringing to say that, you know, you, you know, we all watch TV, we all watch programs and series and stuff like that. And I actually found myself now suspicious of absolutely everything I watch. And there was a couple of series a while ago, and it was a BBC thing. I can't remember what it was called, Captured or something like that. You know where they're talking about the um, the deep fake stuff and things right. like that. And I watched a documentary recently, and it was another BBC thing, um, and it was to do with um, like deep fake, and it was to do with like porn, and about how easy it is to download apps and put like anybody's face that you want on to these sites and then suddenly you're in a make it look, movie make it look like they're in yeah yeah i've seen this yeah yeah you know and and the whole documentary to me was quite shocking just because i thought to myself firstly i didn't know these apps existed and now a lot of people probably didn't and now they do um and secondly it gave the impression that everyone and his brother is downloading these apps and putting their innocent neighbours on and their friends and ex-girlfriends and there's this stuff just and it's not it's it can't be common but they're making out like it's so common and then at the end of this documentary which was quite disturbing really and and i i would imagine quite rare they had this whole thing about the online safety bill and how this kind of thing is going to stop your daughter turning up in these kind of movies or your sister or your right. brother you know anybody do you know what i mean and i just thought to myself it's all just this kind so you of were wondering lily you were wondering so is this really a threat like is this really a possibility deep fakes should we be worried yeah or, yeah. I mean, or are they just there's been yeah. these series you know yeah. that's, that's been really quite disturbing if you think about the kind of thing that they can do I'd be more worried, Lily. You know Lily. what I mean? Yeah, I'd be, 100%. What Lily is saying is bang on. I've seen some of these programs as well. They're talking about deep fake technology, which um, is, is advanced at the moment, but you can imagine it'll become more advanced in the next two to three mm. years because it's so quick. But at the moment, they do have the capability to take Lily, for example, in Watford and put, mm. put, put her into EastEnders and make it look like Lily is having a Barney with the uh, bar uh, uh, person behind the bar. When it's not Lily, Lily's at home in Watford with her daughter. And they can do this. And they have been saying, oh, this is crazy stuff. And, you know, we need to protect children from this because they can use this to put children in porn and all of that. And Lily is wondering, as I'm wondering, so is this a genuine problem that we should be worried about? Or are they using this to scare people into supporting the online safety bill, which is kind of tyranny? And it's a brilliant question because I worry about them using deepfakes in the future to to go after people, you know, to put people in jail that they don't like, you know? Absolutely, yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. I mean, they can probably use it for anything. They're probably, I mean, they're probably much more advanced than what we realise anyway. Yeah. But the actual idea of it is is quite terrifying, and you you know, it's it's all being sort of planted. Whereas, you know, like ten years ago, when you watch a series like Black Mirror or something, which is a brilliant series, I loved every minute of it. But if I watch that today, 
I'd watch it in a completely different way. Instead of thinking, wow, this is really inventive. Someone's got a great imagination, isn't it? A great, you know, I now think to myself, holy crap, you know, this kind of stuff is probably happening and it's actually really quite scary. Do you know what I mean? Or they're preparing us to accept it because it's coming. Yes. Do, yes. you, do you remember that episode yes, with the girl with the kind of Facebook account? Do you remember that episode? Yeah. And she keeps yeah, getting yeah, yeah, downgraded. Yeah. Every interaction she has, she's got to, to yeah. rate the person and they get to rate her. And all of a sudden, she can't go to a wedding or, or something like that. Yeah, it's bloody here. It. It's right, nearly yeah. here. It's nearly here. Lily. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. It's around the corner, definitely. And as I say, I just want—I suppose—I just wanted people. I, I, I don't think it's as common as what they're trying to make out. I think they're obviously trying to plant a seed in people's heads to think that this could happen to anyone. It's probably relatively rare. And also, I thought it was a bit irresponsible for them to start telling people about these apps and how how easy they are to download. You know, within yeah. ten minutes, you can download this app, and suddenly you can play a prank on on your neighbour or somebody who's who's you know been horrible you know been horrible to you at some point you can get a revenge on it and it's very and it's not illegal that's the point richie it's not illegal because obviously it's not real but that doesn't stop people from thinking that it's real do you know what i mean that's a really good point and did i read somewhere i did read somewhere didn't i and i wonder about this as well you might think this is totally unrelated maybe it is but didn't bruce willis sell forever the rights to his digital I, I read image. Some, yeah, I read something yeah. like that. I don't know. Yeah, you're, you're right. I think he did, yeah. Because so he's not very well at the moment as well, is he? So I don't think he's starring in anything. No, he's doing a lot. That's a, a good point. He's doing a lot of B movies. I think he's in debt, I think. So he's doing, I think, do you know who did this? Nicolas Cage did this as well. He's up to his mm. neck in debt and probably alimony payments and child support payments and God knows what. So he's done a lot of B movies in Los Angeles where he probably gets six or seven hundred thousand dollars and absolute trash films now. But um, but it's a paycheck. Mm. That's where he's kind of gone because I do see him popping up sometimes in these silly movies on Sky and you think that was never in the cinema and it just turns out to be nonsense. But yeah, he said he's going to sell or he has sold the, the digital image, the right to digitally use his image. So in the future, somebody yeah. might want to put, do you know what, let's, uh, 25 years time, let's make another Die Hard, which are, let's just use yeah. Bruce. Bruce is dead now. Let's yeah. hope he's not dead, but we'll, we'll, yeah, it's creepy stuff this, isn't it? Yeah, it, it, creepy is the right word. That's the spot on word I would use this whole thing. It's creepy. It absolutely. When, when you think of the, the possibilities and, and you, you mm. again, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said, if they're telling us at the moment they can use they've got deep fake and that they can do this it's probably far more you've said this Lily it's far more advanced than they've let on do you remember Will Smith made a yeah. movie many years ago with Gene Hackman it was called Enemy of the State and Will Smith picks yes. up something he shouldn't yes. have and he's being chased yeah. he gave an interview and he, it was either Jonathan Ross interviewed him or, or, or somebody at the BBC at the time and he said we had some really sexy technology in enemy of the state that was given to us by the CIA and he said I was speaking to the CIA guy says Will Smith and I said this is incredible this is incredible and the guy said to him come on man this stuff is years old we wouldn't give you the stuff yeah. that we use today we're, we're light years away from what they can really do Lily I reckon yeah absolutely and I think as well the, the, the scary thing is uh, you know the 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 more sinister side of it, where it's not just it's actually setting people up who who've you know for for crimes they haven't done, and you know I mean the, the possibilities are, are endless with this stuff. You know they, it's almost like you can create a completely you know a, a false world, and and people I don't think you know especially mainstream people aren't really ready to 
to realise that this technology is out there. They still think it's kind of movie stuff, you know, dystopian kind of movie stuff. When people like us know that it's obviously, you know, it's happening. It's it's <laughs> it's going on. You know what I mean? So it's um, yeah, right, it's, uh, it's quite scary. Just watching a normal program. I can't just watch a normal program for the fun of it anymore. You know, that's, that's, again, that's brilliant. Um, about stuff. <laughs> yeah, and we we spoke on the phone-ins in the past with uh, Wayne phoned in to talk about how you know programs are filled with propaganda the the ones that seem harmless mm. the soaps coronation street eastenders even even hollyoaks if it's still on and at, at the very start of our chat um lily you said <laughs> and i'm beginning to think it as well is every single thing we watch is it yeah. pre- is it prepared is it produced with some element of it communicating yeah. some message to us that we're supposed to think like this or think like that i think you're onto something yeah that, that's that's exactly it and that's why now i can't i, I, I haven't i've rarely watch i haven't got i haven't got a tv license I, I, I don't watch sort of live tv or anything like that i'm very selective with what we watch but everything now i'm suspicious and that's it's a shame because i want to just enjoy a bit of crap tv for the sake of it <laughs> you know what i mean but i can't because everything is like there must be some kind Something's of sinister reason on. why they put this out here and you know what i mean i i, I, I it's a regret that i have i, I know just, but you have you a know, sense of humor I, I, I think i think once you can laugh <laughs> i think you're okay you know i, I mean you just laugh yeah. at it you know uh, before yeah, you um, have to. before before I move on, um, are you watching any of the foosball? Will you watch England on Saturday? Do you get involved? Well, <laughs> well, the thing is, my, my family, I've got a sister and two brothers who are mad into it, and we have a, a family chat, and it pings constantly. And, you know, I read the messages, and I've got no idea what's happening. I'm really not that interested. Um, I, but I can't help but know what's no. happening because they're messaging. And I can see them. They're pinging now about this Spain game wow. at the moment and how – you know all that's going on but i'm not i'm not really that interested to be honest with you i'm sorry yeah i want the, i want england obviously to do well but i don't really care you might get you, but you might get roped into it on sunday because there'll be nothing else on there'll be nothing else anybody's talking about sunday it's everywhere. i know i know hey tell me this know, before um, you can't escape it can you you can't <laughs> escape it so what's your your daughter's name Sammy. Sammy. Mer- Merry Christmas to Sammy. And obviously to oh, you, Lily. Thank you. Can I, can I, sorry, can I just take, say one really quick um, happy birthday? It's my husband Gavin's birthday today and he's um, he'd kill me if I came on here and I didn't get you. Happy birthday, so, Gavin. Yeah. Happy birthday, Paul. Thank you. <laughs> and, and Merry Christmas He's like them well. selfish Christmas babies there, you know. Is <laughs> December he? babies, honestly, are a pain in the I know. Yeah. Well, I'm the same. He, he, Gavin would remember when he was younger getting presents from aunts or uncles and, and that's for Christmas too that's for yeah. Christmas too yeah we had to put up with all of that yeah. I know I know <laughs> brilliant Lily I brilliant know. call thanks thank very much thank you for much. taking my call thank not you not at all you too Lily bye for now and to Sammy if Sammy's listening in the background and uh, to Dad Gavin and happy birthday Gavin hope you have a great Christmas pal uh, it is exactly 12 minutes to the top of the hour This is your Richie Allen Show. It is live, as it always is, from Salford here in the UK. Let me do this before I take another call. I do have another call in the old system there, but I'll do this first. Cold, seasonal, flu and respiratory diseases. We all get them. Never before have your body's defences been under such constant attack. Now more than ever, it's essential to have a robust immune system. Inspired by the Zelenko Protocol, Immunex 365 is a unique formulation that combines effective levels of vitamins D3, C and K2, as well as zinc and quercetin. Immunex 365 has been specifically formulated to maximize the effect of each ingredient, giving your immune system an optimum boost. Take back your health with just 
just two capsules of Immunex 365 every day. UK listeners of The Richie Allen Show can use their special 15% discount code, RichieAllen365, at checkout. Go to Immunex365.co.uk to get yours now. Now with two-day track delivery free. Ask not what the BBG can do for you, but what you can do for the BBG. Support The Richie Allen Show now at RichieAllen.co.uk. And I reckon I've got time for one more call this Tuesday. It has flown by. The callers have been absolutely brilliant, by the way. Thank you to every caller so far. Um, back to the telephone lines. Caller, welcome to the programme. Who am I speaking with? Oh, is this... Um, Richie, am I on the air? This is Alan from Vancouver. Alan in Vancouver. You are on the air, pal. How are you? Welcome. Oh, oh, oh fantastic. Uh, that's great. Uh, wow, I got through very quick. Um, just, I just I want to make a comment with your last caller about her uh, a child with autism. Um, I have a, a son with autism. He's in his teenage years now, and I'll, I'll I like to give government credit where they where, where credits due. Uh, the BC government here is uh, just does a wonderful job of uh, you know of treating with uh, you know treat, treating children with autism and supporting parents. So uh, you know I like to call balls and strikes kind of thing. So uh, so I just want to I, I, I just want to say that. You know, none of the things bad, right? There's a bunch of good things that uh, that are being done. I get you, Alan. Um, tell, can, can you briefly tell me what what you mean by the authorities in Vancouver? How are they? How do they manage to be so helpful and so um, um, supportive for p- people with autism? How do they go about that? Well, one, there's 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 lots of funding for it, okay, and they um, and they they allow you to. Uh, to u- utilize the funds, you know, in whatever capacity, you know, your circumstances would, would warrant. So um, they, they looked like they were going to move away from that model, but they backed off and went, and went back to it. So they, they, um, so funding is a big part of it. I would say that, but it's also the, um, just my son's school, right. And some of the other organizations that were involved with, like just the support from the individuals, like his individual teachers were Richie and I get teary, you know, when I say this and, and, and people get hard tired of me saying that, but it's, I mean, I couldn't be more sincere. Is like they care about my kid, like he's their kid. So that goes beyond, you know, what about throwing money at something? Is the people who are actually doing the work are just absolutely wonderful people. They're the right people for that type of work. They've got the heart and they've got the love that you need, and the patience, I suppose, as well. That's lovely, Alan. It really is. Yeah. So yeah. So um, and I'll, I'll. I'll just comment on something that's just sort of recently happening here in, in BC and Ontario too, another another province in Canada. Is there's all all of a sudden seems to be this big push out for uh, particularly children with some of these these respiratory issues to all of a sudden now get vaccines, right? And it's like the you know the it seems like they're they're not quite saying it, but they're sort of they're implying that if your child isn't, doesn't have the vaccine, they're going to get this respiratory disease. And they're talking about they're saying, oh, we're not going to bring masks in. But it's the exact same playbook that they did a couple of years ago. And, you know, and when I talk to most people around me, most people just don't, they don't think this is a problem. They think if we if we got to bring masks back, it's, oh, well, if that's what we got to do, that's what we got to do. So um, anyway, so that, my, my comment is more on that is more about what most people appear to think about it rather than what the government's actually doing. I mean, the buy-in that they're getting if they want to do these things is just is massive. So you're saying that they're almost holding the jabs over the children and implying that the best thing is for the children to have the jabs because it will avoid masking up, it will avoid social distancing. Is that it? So, so it's like coercion, Alan? It, it, I, I would, I would, 
I wouldn't quite put it that harshly, but but you're certainly on the right you're on the right track, Richie. It's you know they're the, you know and, and the minute that anybody says, well, hey, when we had you know we took these uh, you know jabs a few years ago when they were supposed to be eighty or ninety five or whatever percent effective, and now they're admitting that like well they're maybe only fifty percent effective, but that's how jabs are and yeah you know <laughs> but people aren't going like, nobody's up in arms about this, Richie. Like you know like it's. There's no blowback at all. Like the, the current government would, they would get elected hands down. Right? They would get back in and oh, easily, most, like without a doubt. Right? And you would imagine, wouldn't you, that the message has reached parents now that COVID didn't touch children. It just didn't touch them. They're not in any real risk or at any real risk. Like I would have thought that parents would understand it, but obviously not, Alan. I, well, I would thought too, is like, you know, there's, when it affects your children, you know, as opposed to affecting ourselves, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're adults, we can deal with our own things. But when, you know, somebody touches my child, my child, you know, I mean, you know, I, I don't even know what I would have, what I would, you know, what I'd yeah. be capable of doing to protect it. Right. So, uh, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's just people, they're just, they, you know, that now having said that though, having said that there is, um, it doesn't look like people are rushing to get their kids vaccinated with the, with the flu vaccine yet. Right. But they're but but it's not just the government pushing. It's like you call local. You just you listen. You listen to the local radio stations, and every presenter is like, they throw it in about getting your flu vaccine. Hey, yeah, go to the Christmas uh, shopping mart or whatever. Ah, make sure you get your kids vaccinated. You know that type of thing. They must know, Alan, the presenters, that the vac the flu vaccine rarely works. It's like seven percent of the time they they get the right strain of flu, they produce the vaccine for the appropriate strain. They never get this right. Presenters must know you this. Don't have to look, sorry, Richie, you don't even have to look far to get that information. No. Right? Basic <laughs> Google, like yeah. British Medical Journal, it's on the, like, you know, if you look at flu, it's probably on the, you know, I mean, I'm being a bit hyperbolic, but it's probably on the front page, right? Like, yeah, it's there every winter. I mean, to be fair, some of the conservative press, they still put this stuff out there. The flu vaccine hardly ever works. And educators must know this, and shame on them for pushing this stuff. And and, and obviously, jocks, radio yeah, guys must yeah. know this. Yeah, crazy, Alan. Well, well yeah, can almost not not fault them in a sense. Is like you know, um, you know, you're you're not the regular sort of radio jock, obviously, but you know, I mean, they, they do get paid, and they get paid to announce, right? So yeah, yeah, that's right. They get a script. Pretty much. And they don't tend to deviate from it very often, sadly. Not these days, no. We've yeah. got about 60 seconds left, Alan, if there was something else you'd like to say. I'm really I'll, thrilled I'll, you got I'll through. You, I'll just leave you with that. Love your Sunday show, too. That's It's, it's a wonderful thing. And I, I'm, not, I'm Scottish by birth, but I'm still pulling for England. You're pulling for England on Sunday? Good man. Let's hope England do it on Sunday. For, for hospitality, for the bars and restaurants, anyway. Lovely to meet you, Alan. Well, Merry Christmas. They do make good beer. They make good beer over here. Merry Christmas, mate, to you and yours. God bless, Alan. Yes. Thank you. Bye. And bye for now. Alan in Vancouver. Uh, there, yeah, pushing the jabs on the kiddies, huh? As we learned today, the MHRA, and thanks to some of our more alert listeners, more alert than, than I am, have uh, cleared it for six-month-old children in this country. It's insane. They've, they've done that in America, in the United States as well and in Canada. Listen, that's it for today's programme. Thank you for listening to it. Thanks to all the callers, amazing callers from Nicaragua uh, to Lincolnshire to, to Watford to uh, to Vancouver. I, not leaving anybody out uh, deliberately. It's been uh, fascinating. Thank you. Back with you tomorrow Wednesday at 5 o'clock UK time. Until then, 
do look after yourselves and one another it's bye from your BBG